Jigs and Bigs is proud to announce we're being supported by Old Glory Outdoors. They're a veteran-owned company that carries fishing and hunting gear. Plus, they're highly active in supporting veteran organizations and charities. Old Glory is an authorized dealer of favorite rods, FX rods, Guggenbaits, X-Zone Lures, Sixth Sense, and many more. There's a brick-and-mortar store located in East Brookfield, Massachusetts, but you can also order online at oldgloryoutdoors.com. They ship anywhere in the lower 48 states or order online and pick up at the store. When you order, use the promo code JIGSANDBIGS and you'll save 10% off your complete order. Plus, you'll help support the show. Make sure to check out the apparel line called OGO Gear while you're there. Old Glory Outdoors believes in the slogan, start them young, to keep kids away from screens and enjoying nature. They've got a full array of live bait too. Check out oldgloryoutdoors.com and use the promo code JIGSANDBIGS, save some money, and gear up now. What's up, guys? It's Tuesday. Well, I mean, you know, when you're hearing this, if you're hearing it today at launches, it's Tuesday. Anyway, it has been an amazing weekend. Uh, we're in the first week of August right now, and the uh, Chronic Trips Virtual Elevated Fishing Tournament is underway, and what a start it is. I got Sean the fishing, uh, Sean the Fisherman on the line with me right now. We're going to go over things bit by bit, kind of talk about how it's been uh, as we intro the show. We got a great show for you today. Uh, not only are we going to do this, but I'm going to talk a little bit about some, uh, some new gear I've been using and trying out that's been uh, doing very well for me, paying dividends, in fact. And then we have, for our interview, we've got Mitch Skase. Mitch Skase, you probably know him as Lip Gripper on Instagram. Check him out. hes uh, I, I like to refer to him as the bad boy of the Berkshires. Man, this guy gets on some hogs regularly. And uh, he's a brand new boat owner, as a matter of fact, as of yesterday. Didn't even know that was coming and uh, psyched for him. So we're going to talk, uh, check in with him, get some of his stories and things. Had a great, great interview. That's coming up later in the show. Sean, how are you this morning, my friend? I'm good, man. I, I see what you did there. You've got Sean the Fisherman on the line. Very, very clever. Uh -huh. very see? Clever. There we go. I like I like wordplay. Wordplay is a, 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 a sort of a, a thing for me, pretty much. I'm still trying to get this new like mic position in for when I'm recording in the basement here in the in the dungeon, the the disco dungeon, and I I kind of like this uh, a little bit further back. I, I sort of feel like it's a it's got more of a broadcast kind of feel instead of being right up on it, which doesn't make sense to any of the listeners at all because they can't see me. But it is what it is. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the tournament so far, because it got kicked off. Like it was straight up just insanity from the get, um, a little, very little action on the first day, but the second day was insane, uh, for a lot of people. And, uh, it, we're, we're all, all off and running and, uh, well, let's go over it bit by bit. What do you have for us? Well, first off, um, for everybody who did get out and fish this weekend, awesome job. Like there was a lot of fish and a lot of big fish were caught, um, I wanted to, to kind of talk real quick first. You know, you and I were out yesterday. Yep. And um, with uh, with Berkshire's Brett, our uh, you know our, our correspondent up at the Berkshire's for the fishing report. Brett does a great job for me every week. Absolutely. So thank you, Brett. Yeah, thank you, Brett. And um, we had a chance to fish with him yesterday. And um, 
what you and I kind of saw, we, we were a little, we had some questions as to what was going on with the tournament because a lot of fish were showing up. Whereas in the, the, the June tournament, um, fish were automatically called out yep. per category per person, but there were multiple entries per species. Um, and, uh, that raised some eyebrows. So, uh, when I got home yesterday, I got on the phone with, uh, with Seth Frapier from, um, chronic trips and we worked the issues out. So going forward, the tournament looks like it did a month ago. Mm-hmm. So we're in good, we're in good shape on that front. Um, a couple things that I, I, I would like to ask everyone who's listening that's involved in the tournament to help out with. This is, uh, this is, this is just to help Seth with the judging. And, and a lot of times he defers to me if he has a big question, just based on me seeing quite a few, you know, countless fish in tournaments um, to help us out and to help you guys out. The first thing, don't use your phone's camera to take the pictures. You've got to use the fish donkey camera. So you've yeah. got to open up the app and use the camera there. Take two pictures, if you can, of one fish or, you know, a good picture of the fish on the ruler. I always take multiple pictures of a fish on a ruler and get the best one. Um, both clarity, uh, to see how long it is, to make sure, you know, everything's in the picture, et cetera. That's the important one. That should be your first picture. If you can, try to get a selfie with the fish. Uh, yesterday, as Brett found out, he got a he got a good large mouth, and that large mouth was okay with the ruler picture and had nothing to do with the uh, – <laughs> with the selfie and decided to go for a swim. And that was the last we saw of that fish. Yep. Um, as far as measuring devices, you and I both use rulers with a 90 degree edge at the zero point. Yep. Um, I use that catch board. You have a laser etched ruler of some brand I'm not familiar with, mm-hmm. but um, those are fine. Use those. They're laser etched um, and they're metal. So they're not going to be bent. I'm not worried too much about anybody cheating an inch here or there about bending a ruler, but the, for everybody using tapes, measuring tapes, this is a favor I could ask, and this will help Seth and I both out a lot. Lay the tape, um, lay the tape down next to the fish, not not underneath it, it yeah. not over it. Lay it next to it, and then that'll give us, you know, as good of a reading we're going to get with a measuring tape. I understand that, you know, it's particularly the ocean fishermen and anybody maybe going after northern pike or carp, a thirty-six inch laser etched ruler isn't going to matter. So if you got to use a tape, do your best to lay it out as straight as possible. Um, a lot of measuring tapes will have a little uh, a little grommet at one end at the zero point. You can pin it down or nail it down and pull it tight and then lay the fish down next to it. And uh, that's all I ask on that. Um, as far as measurements go themselves, we are going to be rounding down to the nearest quarter inch, which makes sense. Yeah. If you don't make if you don't make it to that next quarter inch mark, I'm, you know, why are we rounding up? I mean, where does it stop with rounding up? Am I giving somebody six inches? You know, a quarter inch is as good as six inches in my book. Try to try to, if, if you've got a, a fish that just uh, doesn't touch 18 and a half, it's 18 and a quarter plus, but not 18 and a half. And it's 18 and a quarter. You achieve that mark. Congratulations. Great fish. Go out and catch another one. And uh, one last thing I would like to ask, and this is a suggestion. I don't want anybody getting hurt trying to do this, especially with fish with teeth. When you take the picture on the ruler, push the fish up as close, you know, as, as, as far up as you can. Don't smash it, but put some pressure. Get that fish up to that 90-degree uh, point on the ruler. Keep the mouth closed. If you have the mouth open, it adds length to the fish. I don't want anybody doing that with pickerel or pike or bluefish or anything with teeth because you're risking your hand. I don't want an injury. I'm not mandating this i'm suggesting it but with a large mouth everyone should be able to 
I mean, look at look at um, my pictures and your pictures of the largemouth we caught yesterday. Oh those yeah, those are those are done perfectly. You know, both with two different styles of rulers. Yeah. So let's uh, and two different levels of experience. <laughs> yeah, but you you still saw you know I, you and I have talked and 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 you've seen how I've done it in the past and yep. you push that fish all the way up to the the vertical edge and that was a perfect measurement. It was good. So um and speaking of that fish, I'm I'm done with all my uh, tournament rant. Speaking of that fish, congratulations on matching your personal best. That was, was a hell of a fish. I was yep. I was so hoping it was going to be just over, like another another quarter inch. If I could have gotten nineteen seventy five, I would have. It would have been the first time I stood up in that kayak, jumping for joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Brett and I were probably about what fifty to seventy five yards away from quite you. a we ways, were kind yeah. of close together. I found out he's a he's also um, he's also a veteran, so we were bullshitting about all things veteran and oh yeah. And then we heard a huge splash and you, you know, screaming. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> and when we saw you net it, we said, whoa, that's a good one. And then, you know, you got it, man. Nice fish. And that, that, was, a, that was a hell of a fish. That, that, that net was, I was like, this is not going to work. This net is just too small. I need to upgrade my net, uh, at least something with a larger mouth. Uh, the folding net is great and handy to have, you know, certain spots where, where, where I could use it and necessarily don't want to, where I have to do some walking. But, yeah. That was that net. It was close. It was close. I was really lucky, and that was on the the BBZ rat. That's one of the th- the pieces of gear I want to talk about. That that I'm really loving. Really, really loving. If I mean, if you you and I know, we both you go over my fishing report when yep. it gets published. But those rats and whopper ploppers this year apparently are just like flying off the shelves. It's killer. And people are people are catching them with them. So yep. nice, nice fish, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Oh God, what well, was amazing. I, uh, was, uh, I like just absolutely exhilarating, and you're you know you're right. I think that yesterday for everybody, it was it was a great day because it seemed like, you know, I was kind of talking with some of the people like in the jigs and bigs like circle, the family, like a lot of the former guests that we've had and things. Um, people all over the place were catching fish in, in in numbers and doing some quality as well. Like the Hookset Hoodlum guys were out doing some. Uh, uh, Wild Bill was out uh, catching some catfish. Uh, he's like, and he's got a whole strategy in how to make this work. We were talking a little bit about it before. So this has a lot of people fired up. Ryan from Lunker Lads, same thing. He was, I think he was out at Quabbin, maybe. I forget. Yep. I, yeah, I want to say maybe he was out at, out at Quam and he got on some significant fish. Um, he would have come in, I think, number two. Uh, but it, again, like with the measuring board, he had just he had said to me that he had uh, misread it and bought the wrong board. So he's got to upgrade and get that all handled. One other heads up: if you guys are really hard up for a board to do your measuring uh, with, and you 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 know maybe it's got to do with what's in stock or availability or getting it quickly, something like that. If you can't find something nearby to get it quickly, contact Fish Donkey. You can order these measuring boards right through Fish Donkey and have them delivered right to you. And I think that I think they only cost like fifteen bucks. It's not bad, but at least this way, and it's a good trough style board, so it does make having that fish in place a little bit easier with that curved board holding them, um, kind of cradling them versus having a flat board like I'm using. But I like to make things difficult for myself. That's just how I work. Uh, you know, so if you really, if you need a board that quickly, I would say just go for it. Get it through Fish Donkey. You're at least good to go. And then if you want to invest in like a catch board like Sean had mentioned, those are absolutely wonderful. You can make that investment long term, you know. Yeah, we, we you and I both talked about this tournament being a great jumping off point for people mm-hmm. that have that have never fished tournaments before, or, yep. um, you, you know, it's not 
it's competitive, but it's not hyper competitive. I'm yeah. gonna try, you know, and and be as as fair as we can on measurements and stuff. I'm not gonna be a jerk about it, but I, oh, yeah. you know, there's certain things we we can't do that other competitors would, you know, probably get upset about. Um, you know, if we we let certain things go, but like I'm trying to keep this as fun as possible and and make sure that we're fair. Um, and yeah, those those catch boards, you know, the, if you go on, if you're planning on going on and fishing more competitive bass tournaments. I mean, those are, those are the standard at this point because, oh, yeah. you know, we discussed it on an earlier podcast. There were some shenanigans afoot with the, uh, with the hog troughs and, and <laughs> examining how fle- exactly flexible they can be with a fish on them. Yep. We've seen the pictures. They're pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, but, you know, um, that's, that's the whole thing. You know, some, some of these, especially when you're using them in, in, um, I'd say like more recognized, like larger, largely competitive tournaments where you're talking about significant prize money or anything like that. You definitely got to be really, really, you know, strict on all that stuff for for what we're doing here. Now, let's talk about the points. Have you guys calculated any of the points so far to know who's leading or who's tied up or anything like that as of this point? I was actually going to going to wrap up with that. But um, OK. All right. We can talk, yeah. Yeah, you remember yesterday we talked and uh, at night after the issues got solved with uh, with Fish Donkey. Yep. And I had I had given you a bit of a preview of some of my notes, and you said, "Dude, I love your stats." So yeah, if you want to if you want to let me run away right now, I'll, I'll just start going. Let's go for it. Let's give the people All what right. they want. They want the numbers. They want numbers. All right. So <clears throat> as of right now, now this could change because uh, you know it's it's open for anybody who wants to join within the month. We've got 21 folks in the field. We have seven people, which are either sponsors or uh, or can athletes. So when I go through this list, I'm going to make a note of current standings and what that person is, whether they're a competitive angler or they are a can athlete or sponsor. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a second category. The can athletes and sponsors are in there, but we're not we're not winning prizes. Okay. True. Cool. True. Very true. So. The first thing I want to get to, um, I want to give props to um, to Devin McDaniel. So Devin was the first person to fire a fish out in this tournament. Yep. So if you heard your phone hee-hawing on Saturday evening, Devin, my, my phone popped up, and there was a picture of Devin holding a pretty nice bluegill. So Devin, congrats. You got the first fish of the tournament. That was awesome. Keep it rolling, man. And he threw it. You know, we don't have the sunfish category this this tournament, so he threw it right in the NE5, and so begins the strategy of yep. the August tournament. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Um, so categories this weekend that had submissions. We had brown trout. We had catfish. We had all sorts of largemouth. We had perch, uh, yellow perch. We had uh, more brown trout submitted in the trout category, and the NE5 filled up pretty good, and I'll get into those species in a second. Um, the, well, I'll get into them right now. <clears throat> right now, excuse me. The NE5. So uh, Mark Ward had five brown trout in the any five to go on top of his massive brown trout that he caught in the brown trout category. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you and I were both laughing when you saw my notes, Mark punches brown trout in the face. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. The dude can catch brown trout. He goes out there and owns brown trout. We have no hope. All is lost. Mark owns brown trout. That's, that's it, what he does. It's just a real challenge at this point. To, you got you know especially especially now that brown trout has its own category like yes yeah i wonder you know out of the 21 you know out of the 20 other competitors currently happening who's going to step up to the plate and look to conquer that title of brown or is 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 mark just going to continue to keep upping the the number of inches that he needs to be beat 
who knows? Because in June, he held the title, right? Nobody beat him, correct? But this again, this this tournament scoring wise is a different ball game. Yep. Because you don't have to beat him in Brown Trout. You can, you know, come in second to him, and you're going to get one point less than him. Yeah, exactly. Remember, you know, we got uh, we got four points for whoever finishes in first in a category in a species. Excuse me. We've got. Uh, three points for second, two points for third, and anybody who is not first, second, or third that turns in a fish in that category they gets get a one point. point. So yep. it, this this stresses the importance of going out and catching multiple species. Yeah. Stresses it. So maybe you're really behind on largemouth. You go out and whoever's leading largemouth is not fishing for pickerel or pike, and you catch fish in those categories. You just bridge that gap. You just nullified that largemouth. Yep. So Get out there, catch fish. That's yeah, the whole point of this tournament. That's that's exactly the point. But there is a special prize for beating Mark with a larger brown trout, I believe. There is a there separate is, yeah. category. So that's the challenge I was speaking of. Who's who's that going to be? I you know who I think we have to worry who, who, who Mark actually not even we who Mark has to be concerned about is His uh, wife. Okay, there's that. Actually, that's probably could could make for a lot of interesting situations on the home front. Oh, I meant just fishing. Well, hold on. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. Set, but they're all together. The, and the competitiveness, like you know, you know how it is. You ever you ever do anything competitively with your wife, Sean? No, I learned you, to stop that a long time ago. Yes, you're a wise, wise man. <laughs> Don't ever compete with your spouse. Don't do it. Um, or if you do, lose very gracefully. Uh, however, you can. It's uh, it's just amazing. No, I'm thinking uh, Mark may have some competition with Ryan from Lunker Lads. Uh, Ryan, Ooh. yeah, Ryan, Ryan likes to get out there and throw a fly, and uh, he he's he's got a little bit of know how about some pretty good fisheries that uh, I, that I, have brown trout. It could it could I happen. Fishing, yeah, I think they're fishing the same waters too. Yeah, I, it's very possible. That's very. I think possible. I think they are. That's insider information. I yep. can't divulge that to the public. But uh, <laughs> so getting back to the any five, we had um, we had Mark with all those brown trout, Bobby roast beef firing in four yes! large mouth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now at, at this point, do we need to? You know, we we've used that term more than enough. You know, I, I know you've adopted it from my slang. Yeah, um, but. It's a roundabout way. Do, do we need to define what a nibbler is at some point, or is that I, another show? I, no, I think we, I think we should, because the nib, it was yesterday. All you, myself, and Brett all caught decent, like significant largemouth that went on there, but every other fish that was caught fell into that nibbler range for the most part. Like the majority. Okay, so am, am I going to def, to, to define? Take it. We, we went on a tangent right now. Am I going to define the nibbler? If 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 you're comfortable doing so, yeah, I think I think that's what they want to know. What the hell is a nibbler? All right. So a nib- <laughs> everyone wants to know what the hell is a nibbler. All right. So we've all had those days where we've gone out and caught bass, numerous amounts of bass under 12 inches. All right. Anything under 12 inches that is not legal is defined as a nibbler. The term nibbler comes from, of course, the Mickey Mouse Jerky Boys phone call, yep. where they call Disney World, and the term nibbler is thrown about. You can find that on YouTube or whatever you listen to. I urge everyone to. It is not safe for work. Have a laugh, and you know you've adopted it since we've been really fishing a lot more lately. And yep. uh, that term nibbler has been thrown about in my circle of friends for probably about ten years. Once I heard that call, it's been it was just game on. Yeah. 
So there, there is a special, a special designation, a special subcategory of nibbler that us children of the 90s would remember. Okay. Any nibbler, any nibbler that is between the range of 9 inches and 9.75 inches, but not 10. Yes. Can't be 10. Got to be under 10. It's a 9-inch nibbler, right? Yeah, of course. Well, who was the front man for 9-inch nails in the 90s? Trent Reznor. A nine-inch nibbler is affectionately referred to as a true Trent. A true Trent. A very Trent. rare gem in a school of nibblers. I a love that. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> so now the, the viewing public, the listening public, has, has got a, a horrible glimpse into my mind. Like, Who so, are uh, these people? <laughs> <laughs> Who even are these idiots? I know. I thought these guys were supposed to be talking about a tournament. <laughs> got a no. text from my daughter she goes did you just scream yes <laughs> <laughs> oh i need a yeah life. well at least we're having fun doing this yeah a hundred percent oh man all right let me get back to business here so we, we, we left off on the any five category before we went off on the nibbler and trent uh uh, uh side trip <laughs> um so you got your four nibblers um we got Mr. Coleman from the West Coast. He's got a lingcod on there. If anyone looks at the uh, the score right now, we found this out with the any five category in the in the June tourney. Um, uh, Mr. Coleman had a couple submissions in there. Uh, we we unfortunately because there was one picture with two fish, we kind of had to allow one and disallow the other. That total will change at some point. It did last time. Uh, somebody did the same thing. So bear with us. The any five total, if you're looking at the scoreboard, is will be updated, I guess is the best way I can put it. Um, the more fishes he catch, the more fish he catches, the better off or the quicker it's going to go. So mm -hmm. Aaron, get out there, catch some fish. Um, we had Mr. Nicoli. Did we decide Nicoli is how we wanted to pronounce I it? I think that's is what that we're going to go with right now. If we're wrong, send us a, a yeah. DM. Hate mail. Yep. yep. Send it, send it to Bobby, not me. Um, Nicoli, Mr. Nicoli's got a large mouth in there, which was nice. And Mr. McDaniel's bluegill, as I mentioned. So the NE5 had a whole bunch of different species in there. So we, oh, got, yeah. we got bass, trout, a lingcod, nibblers, nibblers. <laughs> and a bluegill. <laughs> a little Pl separate species. Plentiful nibblers. Yeah. yeah, plentiful nibblers. Every single so, other fish I submitted was uh, fell in that nibbler category. Like in between like 12, 12 and a half was, I think, the biggest. And I mean – that way, and I think that was only one. I think every, most of the other ones were 11 fives. <clears throat> yeah, and yesterday, I mean, when whenever you would meet up with me uh, yep. on the lake we were at, you would you would say, "How are you doing now?" And and I just would give you a number because my nibbler count was just it went double digits. Unbelievable, real quick. yeah. But a lot of nibblers yesterday, um, and you know, I know you had posted it on um, Facebook and Instagram, but like between the storm that came through yesterday and. Um, and the full moon, yeah. I think that really contributed to everybody having, you know, pretty really pretty good days significant days. Yeah. yeah, bad weather and a good moon phase, and stand back. You're, you're gonna have some fun. You know, I'm I'm glad you said that bad weather because we got off the water. You and I stopped to have some lunch, and then we headed home. And within what two hours, there were tornadoes hitting ground uh, just yeah. outside of like the area where we were. I mean, unbelievably bad weather. So, man, it was crazy, and you could kind of feel it in the air too when we were out there. Like that, as it got closer to ten thirty, eleven o'clock, did you notice the cooler breeze? 
coming through. It kept going cool, warm, cool, warm, yep. and that's that's not good um, for thunderstorms. So yep. yeah, it was it was bad. And then uh, I had actually planned on going fishing in the general vicinity of where that tuck, that tornado touched down um, up in Tall and Sandusfield area. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of my haunts. I like to go there every now and again. And yeah, well, I, I, next time I go there, I'm probably going to see a bunch of damage. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's but. yeah, it's it's crazy when, when like this is not like I'm sure we've got some listeners that are in like Tornado Alley and they're like big deal, you know, just that's part of life. <laughs> you know, I know we have a lot of listeners in in Texas uh specifically and you know, I mean, hey, Tornado but in New England we don't see that kind of weather very often at all. Although lately it seems to be more and more. Uh yeah. you know, so I mean, hey, maybe we'll just get used to it, I suppose, but yeah, it was just kind of crazy. Um, yeah, and I, I lived. I mean, I lived in Tornado Alley. Yeah, geez, five years, five years at one point, and then another year at another point, and then uh, in and out for five years. So I get it. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, you you see that you see th- that's why I don't like fishing in thunderstorms because it's a thunderstorm. You don't know when they're going to spiral out of control and turn into a, a microburst or even a tornado. I don't play games with that. Yeah, you got to be really, really careful about all that stuff. <clears throat> yep. Unbelievable. Yep. I would say, like, for, for the first weekend out for the August uh, tournament, in total, this has been fantastic. And if it keeps up at this rate, and, you know, I think yesterday goes to show, even if you're not able to get out and fish four five times a day, like some of some of us psychopaths that are out there doing this, on a, a, like, where it truly just is a lifestyle – if you're if you're only able to carve out you know some time on the weekends here and there a few hours here and there, if you do your you know homework in advance and use the resources like possibly the Jigs and Bigs uh, Western Mass Fishing Report if you're fishing our area or any resources local to where you are, if you get that information and go for it, you could have a killer day and turn that tournament around like that, and you could be out there just absolutely slaying them it all it takes and with the that's the beauty about the points if you go out there with the mentality of i'm not just fishing for bass and if you go out there and target different species you can turn this around and have a whole lot of fun i'm already you know and i know i'm not the only one but i am already like brainstorming different ideas and and people that i know in my network that do fish for other species specifically they target other species and i'm going after some big numbers that's that was actually going to be one of my questions about the about the tapes there sean about how you manage a, like a real monster like if you you know uh the, the boards that we're using, if you catch a large pike or, or a huge carp or almost any, you know, uh, decent-sized saltwater fish, how you measure that. Is there any kind of specifics as for the tape that you can use? Like, can I use my Stanley tape as a go-to if I need it? Sure. Okay. I don't see why not. It's a yeah. measuring device. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I think I think some people were using um, uh, just like, uh, like sewing measuring tapes. You know what I mean? Something you yeah. use for... For uh, seems whatever, you know what I'm talking. About. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that. When we're not doing a tournament, I don't. I actually don't carry my board with me just because 
it's one more thing that won't fit in my bag. Um, I'll I'll carry it on the kayak because it's actually easier to measure with the board than than it is a tape. But when I'm bank fishing, that's exactly what I keep is like a tailor's tape where I'll just go and, and I'll use that to get a rough idea of what the size of the fish is that I'm catching. Because I do, I th- I'm a big believer now in, in measuring length versus weight a lot, just in general. And uh, you also get kind of good at kind of eyeballing too, when you're like, oh yeah, well that's that's a 14, that's a 16. You know, yep, get, yep. getting yep. kind of good like the that. Big, the big standard is, of course, you know, having a board with... Definitely. Um, with that that vertical edge and pushing it all the way up, yep, and making sure that mouth's closed, and that's going to give you your most accurate reading per no, a number of, of different fishing groups, uh, particularly the ones that I fish with. So I'm I'm a believer in that. Do you want to talk about standings? Yeah, you ready now? Is yeah, it, yeah. Let's do it. Again? Let's get to it. All right. So so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through. <clears throat> we with it being the first weekend, we don't have submissions in any category uh, by by any means. So I'm going to go through what I see submitted and anything of note and who submitted them. Yep. All right. And then I'll wind up with what we've got for, for a points tally at the end. Okay. So going into Brown trout, we've got Mark, Mark Ward, trout master, 19 incher hanging out up there. So he's got four points for that. And nobody, nobody's claimed second, third or, uh, or any other entries. <clears throat> Wild bill, wild bill. Wild Bill, my main man, 21 and a three-quarter inch channel cat. That thing was a beast. You and I were looking at that picture yesterday going, oh, my God, with our eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. And he had a second one, too, I believe. It was like 19, right? Yeah, it was 17 yeah. or 19. It was a big one. And I'm going to go well, on record. I'm naming that 21. I'm calling it Nuggets. All right, Nuggets. Well, Nuggets is leading that category. Same thing with Mark. Yep. Four points for him. Uh, next, uh, we have an entry in. Largemouth. Unsurprisingly, we have six entries. So we've got you holding down the fort at 19 and a half. That is a hell of a fish, dude. Tied my PB. Um, I am right behind you at 18 and a half. Yep. And then right behind me for third place, getting two points, is Brett VZ, Berkshire's Brett. Yep. He's got an 18 and a quarter. He put it in at 18 and a half. And again, getting back to what my, my little public service announcement earlier. It was in between 18 and a quarter and 18 and a half. You got to go 18 and a quarter because it didn't make 18 and a half. It so didn't sorry, hit 18 Brett. and a half, yeah. And Brett immediately texted me about that. When he saw the picture um, on his computer at home, he said, oh, man, I think that's 18 and a quarter. Am I going to get that DQ'd? No, I am not the Gestapo. We'll give you the proper length. I'm not DQing fish on this. This is this tournament's for fun. Do your best, and I'll do my best. That's all I ask. Maybe when ice season comes around in February, you'll do, do the Gestapo thing, you know. But yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, well, maybe next year we'll we'll talk about Gestapo actions, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then there were three other largemouth entered. Uh, Tim Jacks fired one in there. Um, Mr. Nicoli fired one in there, and Mr. Jenkins fired one in there. So everybody, all those three people get a point. Um. Mark Huard, also with a perch. He's got the four points for that. Yeah. Mark also submitted another brown trout into the trout uh, into the trout category. So he's got another four points for that. <clears throat> now we get to the any five where there's, all, you know, we talked about what species were in there. So Mark has his five already filled up and he's got 78 inches of fish in there. 
if I'm remembering correctly, I think like, was it three or four people went over a hundred inches, myself included in that any five category? I think that was it. Cause yeah, I think it was well over a hundred. So it's, yeah, it not, ain't over, you know? Yeah, no, no. So, so yeah, it's not even close to me. This is one weekend. This yeah. is nothing. We're, we're, I mean, Mark had a hell of a weekend, but he's got, he's got work to do just like we all do. Yep. Um, so Mark's got 78 and three quarters in that. And then uh, you with your, your, my <laughs> your four nibblers. Squadron of, your squadron of nibblers. Squadron. 47 and three quarter inches. And then up next after that, Mr. Coleman has got 27 and a half on that Lincod. And then uh, Mr. Nicoli has got 13 and a qu- uh, three quarters. And then Mr. McDaniel with his bluegill, eight and a quarter. Yeah. So what that all pans out to in points. Again, first place is four points in species or category. They say category because the 85. There's no species of any five fish out in the world. We know that. Yep. So uh, we got four points for first place, three points for second place, two points for third, and then anybody who turns in a fish after that gets one. So right now, first place, Mark, 16 points. Second place, Bobby Rose Beef, seven points. Third place uh, is Wild Bill with four points. Wild Bill. Wild Bill, his catfish has got him lodged firmly in third. After that, I'm in looks like I'm in fourth with three points, and then a couple people with uh, three people with two, and a few people with one. Lodged so, firmly in third. Firmly in third. Firmly. Like a like a tick. So that being said, I have some uh, I have some other notes. Um, Mark was the first to hundred inches based on trout weekend. That's kind of like shark week, but with trout. Yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, he's he was the first person to 100 inches. I mean, his total inches right now is like 122. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what did I? What did I end up with like 280 or something like that last trip, last tournament? Oh yeah, last in June. Yeah, it was it was almost yeah, just under three. It was 280, but like I think most of the folks involved were in the like that were in in you know in Contention. the running were in the 200s, yep. like 220, 230 area. I just kind of ran away with it with that any five category because I really, I mean, I, I lucked out and killed it with those stripers on top of the pickerel. Yeah, you know? that's what the pickerel were it. were a huge head start, and then yeah, the stripers were that was that was all you needed. And that's yep. the beauty about that that any five category is because it's going to auto call as you enter your fish. It'll just drop the lowest one. So if you you know, I'll give I'll share my situation with what it could be. I have right now. I've got the largest uh, largemouth bass. But if I catch one that's just a hair under, I'm not going to enter it in largemouth. That would do me no good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to enter it in the any five. That and make yep. it work for me there. Same thing if you catch like whether it's pickerel, whether it's pike, or whether it's you know any kind of sunfish or anything like that. Well, that's got to be in the any five. But you get the idea. Whatever it is that you yep. add in there, you catch a monster fall fish, throw it in the any five, and those inches will add up and they'll work for you. And if you you know if you're like like Mark right now has five fish, I've got four. If Mark catches something that's just an oddball and it's not going to beat maybe another one of his brown trout, he can throw it in that any five and it'll auto call that lowest fish from his five stringer and drop that one out. So this is an even if all you were to do is just fish that any five, like fill your entries for everything else and you came up short everywhere else, you could kill it in the any five category. Yeah. I mean, how many anglers in Western Mass? Yeah. You know, within a month, don't catch five 17 to 18 inch pickerel they're everywhere yep. they're everywhere yeah so basically that's you know 90 inches of fish right there 
That's 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 a beast. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a lot. So get out there and fish. So yeah, Mark hit the hundred inches. I wanted again to to you know note that Devin hit that bluegill first, so that was nice to see. Um, do you have any questions? Any thoughts? I mean, this was the first weekend, and and I'm giving a very abbreviated review. Yeah. Plus the two tangents we went off on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think as the as future weeks go on, this will become a little bit more streamlined each time we do it. Uh, it might not necessarily make the entire intro of the show, but that's that's kind of the idea. So it's going to just add up, and 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 things are going to blow up. Um, yep. As far as questions, I'm pretty clear on everything, but I do want to throw uh, an invite to uh, anybody out there. If you have questions about how all this is playing out, there's two ways that you can easily get in touch with us. Three ways, in fact. Well, you can shoot us uh, a DM over on uh, uh, Jigs and Bigs at the at the Instagram. Shoot us a, a DM there, or you can track down Sean the Fisherman on Instagram. He's got a brand new Instagram. Send him a DM there if you have a question, anything like that. You can do so there. You can go to jigsandbigs.com and uh, fill out the contact form. Send us a question if you need any clarification on anything or or anything at all. Uh, we'll get right back to you there. Or you can email the show directly, jigsandbigs413 at gmail.com, and I'll forward that email where it needs to go if I can't answer your question for you. And we'll get everything laid out, and it'll be great. You know, it'll, it'll be uh, – it'll, this is going to be a great competition for everyone. And the name of the game is fun. It's all about getting out there in nature and enjoying things. And, uh, you know, hey, celebrate a little bit, you know, and uh, blow the bass whistle here and there. Yeah, got to blow the bass whistle. Got and uh, one last thing I, I do want to add, you know, looking at the standings, you know, we get out, uh, you're in second and and Mark's in first. You guys are both either sponsors or can athletes. Yeah. So while, you know, you've got first and second place for now, um, the prizes are going to roll down. You guys are sponsors. We you can't get prizes. Yeah, we are you're involved in this, and and we're in doing it. You know, the sponsors and the can athletes. We're doing it for fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, so if even if you finish fifth, honestly, somebody might finish second or first. You never know. Like while while Bill right now is technically as far as prizes go, he's the winner he's in first. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, something to keep in mind. I mean, I'm going to definitely, you know, try to make sure that that we're clear on that as to what the standings are taking into account sponsorships and can athlete status. And um, we're going to go from there. But man, like I said, we had an absolute blast yesterday. That was, uh, it was a lot of fun with Brett. Um, and, and you know what, one thing I did want to bring up about yesterday, which you saw me, I was in complete and utter disbelief. Uh, you know, something that happens that I base a lot of my fishing on that never happens uh, happened yesterday to me and it cost me a really big fish and I'm still struggling what to do with it. I, I have to think about it a lot. Um, you know, we talked in that initial podcast about how my feeling on fluorocarbon line and why I use it around wood and how mm-hmm. it doesn't sink into wood and free up a fish like braid might because braid will just saw right into it. And I lost a fish yesterday because I had 15 pound fluorocarbon saw into wood and stick there and, and it gave the fish the leverage to get free. And that was a big fish. I mean, it came up and made a boil. And I mean, Brett had seen it and said, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> The next thing you know, I'm wrapped around a, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even a big tree. It was a stick. I don't think it was a half an inch thick. Yeah. It was sunk into it. It must've been soft. I have no idea, but um, I am absolutely dumbfounded in that. I mean, all the fish I've ever caught around wood, and that's the first one that's ever done that with fluorocarbon. So I have to kind of keep that as an outlier, but of course it was a big fish and it cost me when I needed it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know? That sucks. That absolutely yeah. sucks. 
Yeah, that was really the only downside of yesterday. I mean, we we had a blast. It was good to see Brett. Um, yeah. I know you and I have talked about, uh, you know, any any other listeners that want to reach out, if they're in Western Mass, want to get out and do a little fishing, we're game. Oh, absolutely you know? game, for sure. You know, show yep. us show us some of your, you know, favorite bodies of water. You you may notice on this show that uh, we never mention the specific bodies of water where we're going. So don't worry about the about us blowing up your spot. Uh, same thing. If you're looking to fish another place, uh, we'll use our know-how of what spots that we know, you know, to bring you bring you out on and 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 get on some good ones. We have some some trips lined up with uh, I know I just mentioned our guest in this show, Mitch. Uh, we got to plan something to get together with him out in the Berkshires. Uh, there are a couple other folks that we're looking at getting out with, uh, one of which, oh, Damien from Stretching Lines Tackle, as well as Delirious Angler. Uh, we might uh, hook up with the both of them in the very, very near future. All kinds of good stuff that, that, that's going on. And by the way, I mentioned Delirious Angler. That interview is fantastic. It's going to be a, a tough one to edit because it's we went the, long with it. It's we go in depth. It was great, great talking to him, uh, Sean. I think that about does. Oh no, I've never mentioned the gear. The gear I wanted to, to to mention in the intro. How could you forget the gear? How could I forget the damn gear? So guys, there's two things that I want to mention here that I've been uh, I've been using recently, um, and both both I have uh, I have gotten from Old Glory Outdoors, uh, and one the first one. Came off a recommendation uh, from uh, the guest from last week's episode, Todd Grubb, Fishing Grubs. It's the uh, BBZ Rat, and it's the big one. Uh, I, I forget the, the number of the model that it is, but it's you'll know when you see it. It's the big one. Now, I'm not the biggest topwater like freak. I'm not, you know, I mean, I this year I started to kind of really hone in and focus on topwater frogs and throwing that stuff. I'm finally throwing him, uh, throwing them on the right setup, the right rod, the right reel combination. And uh, with that, I've been uh, experimenting a bit more with other topwater approaches as well. Buzz baits uh, have been one major thing that I've been trying to increase my game on and get uh, a little bit better with. Definitely have done so there. But this rat, I got to tell you, at first, it looks like a Walt Disney souvenir toy, like you would find at the Magic Kingdom. I got the natural-looking one that's in brown. It comes with two different tails, a lighter color and a, and a, and a darker color. I've left the lighter color on there. It kind of matches the belly, and that's what I'm looking for. This thing has the most insane action and the the most insane sound. It knocks like, like an old castle doorknob. It is like it's unbelievable makes a bunch of noise and you know i've thrown it what three or four different times yesterday was the only time i had thrown it and had good results with it but i will say this yesterday came off of doing a little bit of research on where to throw it and how to retrieve it along certain types of 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 cover and structure and how to make that all work and it worked out it worked great the other thing is this that i had picked up i wanted to kind of create a combo a rod and reel combo that was sort of like my just one off i'm grabbing this one rod and i can pretty much throw like 95 percent of the stuff in my tackle bag streamline everything down when i'm doing as much hiking as i am fishing type situation i'm not going to lug around a bunch of other stuff and what i settled on was a medium heavy spinning combo uh that was going to be the go-to and the the reel that i put on there is a uh lose mach 2 uh the 300 and it is fantastic it's a great reel super duper smooth uh i spooled it up with 30 pound no fade black reaction tackle braid and i'm i'm loving the braid the braid's loud 
I don't care. I kind of like that sound, honestly, tell you the truth. And uh, I've just been tying on 15-pound fluoro leaders with it. Uh, yesterday, I was using it just to try and use it for drop shots. And I was ki- that's how the armada of nibblers, or what would you say, the squadron of nibblers, Sean? Yeah, the squadron. Well, you kind of definite squadron of nibblers. There was definitely a squadron of nibblers, and all of those came off. I was drop shotting with that rod, which, yes, is it a little bit heavy for a drop shot? For sure. But I can definitely do it. I was using a Reaction Tackle Tungsten 8-ounce drop shot weight, which... That might be the new go-to weight. Um, great, great little tungsten weight. And then I used uh, a 3-0 offset worm hook. I like to rig my drop shots weedless a lot. And the bait that I was catching them on was a Hookset Hoodlum's Wild Worm. The 4-inch green and gold Wild Worm. Killer. Killer bait. Uh, it's got a lot of garlic in it, so I feel like they, the fish kind of hold on a little bit more. And uh, like the Wilson Phillips song, they hold on for one more day. All right, maybe I'll cut that out. Anyway, it's... Please uh, do. <laughs> it's it's so unbelievably good that 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 combo it uh i i caught the first fish of the tournament i caught on that combo and i i started using it there because i needed i needed uh you know the versatility of of using uh being able to throw so much and tie different leaders and not having that not interfere with any of my bait casting gear so the spinning combo works great but having it be a seven foot medium heavy gives me a little bit more backbone and that's what was missing from my previous finesse setup so I'm I'm pretty psyched with it, uh, you know, which which is great that I, I can do so much with the, the flexibility with that. I'm definitely happy with the reel. If you guys uh, are looking to get some gear like the uh, the Spro BBZ Rat or you know brand new reel, whether it be Shimano, Luz, Favorite, Abu Garcia, you name it, uh, go over to Old Glory Outdoors and use the code Jigs and Bigs at checkout. It'll save you guys, and you will be uh, you'll be you'll be living the good life. You know you'll go ahead and get. Uh, Get uh, get yourself on some fish, gear up, save some money, and you'll be supporting the show directly. So go ahead and do that. It'll be awesome. If you guys have any questions about the Reaction Tackle, um, that is uh, – I have a, a, a direct link. Uh, you can contact me through the show. I love their stuff. I absolutely, absolutely love it. They have a weird lineup. They have some Terminal Tackle. They have some line, and they have a few accessories. It's not a huge catalog of material that they're, that they're selling per se, but so far everything that they've used from the underspin to the drop shot weights to the Ned heads to the, the fishing line, the braid specifically, has been great. Absolutely great. I may need to play around with their fluorocarbon. I haven't, haven't ever used any of that, but so far I'm, I'm, I'm a happy guy. As for, let's see, that about does it for the gear. I think it's time to take a break, go and do our Sean the Fisherman segment, and then we'll be back. It's interview time. We got Mitch Scase. You're not going to want to miss out. During the break, do yourselves a favor and go over to Instagram and follow him now, Lip Gripper, on Instagram. Amazing, amazing photos. Only going to be bigger and better stuff going on. Just a great, genuine dude. We'll be back after the break. Sean, you got anything you want to close out on? One last thing. Anybody who picks up that that Spro rat or the the BBZ rat, yep. Just keep in mind. Just keep in mind. Got to watch out for that guy. He's a real nibbler. He is a real nibbler. That little son of a bitch. Yeah. It kind of. You guys listen to that call. You'll yeah. understand. You'll definitely understand. Definitely. Understand. That's your homework for tonight. Go ahead and just dive into the Jerky Boys catalog, and you'll understand. You'll understand. Folks. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll be back after the break. Don't go too far. Sean. 
Sean. Sean. Hey, this is Sean the Fisherman with my weekly story. So continuing on my recurring theme of intoxicated people on the shoreline, whether fishing or not, I used to cross a, uh, a bit of private property to get to a body of water that I was very familiar with. Had to ask the owner's permission. Uh, and after a while, eventually that closed because there were too many people going down there. But while it was open, I went and knocked on his door. He wasn't there that day. He knew my car, but I was always polite and, and, and knocked anyways. So I took the trail down to, uh, down to the water's edge and there he was with his wife um, and what looked to be a spent 30 pack of Miller Lite. And he was urging her on <laughs> screaming to reel in this catfish that she had apparently hooked into. Well, I stood back and watched for a bit and uh, it became very apparent after the first minute that she was snagged on the bottom or a tree because every time that she pulled back on that rod, the reel, the, the, the drag screamed and she would reel back in the slack she just created and then pull out more line. And this went on for probably five minutes while I watched. Then I went and got my boat, dragged it down there, uh, threw it into the water, said, excuse me. And uh, they continued for another 15 to 20 minutes after that while I was in the water. So again, don't drink and fish. If you live on the water's edge, I know you have the right to go down there, but just think about it. Thanks. I'm Sean the Fisherman. Have a great week. Hey guys, Bobby Roast Beef here. It's interview time, and uh, I've got uh, well, I've got I've got kind of a local guy with us, well, the the bad boy from the Berkshires. I've got uh, Mitch Skase with us. He is uh, joining us. You may know him from Instagram as Lip Gripper. He's a pro staffer for uh, the the podcast Homeboys uh, Hookset Hoodlums. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Bobby. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, glad to have you on, man. This is this is really, really great. Now, I've actually been following you on Instagram for a while. I think I ca- I think our paths crossed because I was I was following uh, Berkshire Bassin. Yep. I want to say, and and you've been on their Instagram periodically with you know being tagged and such, and and uh, so that's how I kind of first came across you, and then saw that you connected with the Hookset Hoodlum guys, and I was like, well, this right. need, this obviously needs to happen. He knows what's going oh, on sure. in the Berkshires. Nice. How you been? I've been good, real busy. Uh, you know, yep. this whole COVID thing is kind of crazy for everybody, but oh, yeah. uh, still still getting out and doing what I love, and that's fishing. That's awesome, man. That's really great. So uh, let's just, we'll jump right into it. Go, why don't you go ahead and, and tell me a little bit of like the backstory of how it is that you, you discovered uh, your passion for fishing, how it, uh, you know, where, where it all kind of came from, and then kind of like bring me along the road of how it got to the point where it is today, where you're just like pulling hogs out of gorgeous waters from, <laughs> from the western part of the state. Yeah, so um, my origin story, I feel like, is a lot like many other anglers out there. Yep. Um, I started at a young age. Family members introduced me to it. Uh, my dad, my uncles, my aunts, what have you. It's, I think it started off, as far as I can remember back, it was like brook trout in the small brook yeah. with like the little pole, light line, yep. you know, worm hook just drifting for brookies. Um, it then escalated into like bass fishing in smaller ponds, and it just kind of took off. Um, my entire life, I've loved to fish. It kind of had like a little hiatus when I went and played college basketball, didn't really have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the past few years, I've uh, really got back into it hard. And 
it's it's blossomed into something awesome with lip gripper and my instagram page and yep. hopefully more things down the line yeah absolutely. so i guess it's I guess it's similar to a lot of people, you know, everybody has their first memory of fishing with someone in their family or something like that, that gets that itch going. And then it just snowball effect for me. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny. It's that's primarily the reason why I asked that question is you, you see a lot. People will uh, oftentimes in like an Instagram bio, they'll post, they'll say, you know, fishing family, you know, something along those lines where fishing and family yep. go together. And, right. and that's, that's really it. Like it always starts either friends or family, somebody introduces you into it. And, you know, for better or worse early on, the, 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 the seed is embedded at that point, And then it just kind of takes off one way or the other and you know the 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 journey that it takes you on can be completely different from person to person you never know exactly how that's gonna gonna work out um as, oh yeah for sure as far as fishing for you um don't necessarily think necessarily when the the you're, you're gonna catch you know the biggest or, or or have the best time necessarily catching but as far as like your own comfort level what's your favorite season to be out there um, well, I love warm weather, like a lot of us here, yep. but, um, I'd have to say summertime. Uh, I, I'm a top water guy, as you probably can tell yeah. from my page. Um, I love frog fishing and shout out to frog eaters, hashtag team frog eaters. Yep. Um, I just love the top water bite and this time of year, you, you just can't beat it. The bass, they start feeding on shell, shell bait fish and frogs, bluegills, what have you. So I think summertime is probably my, my favorite, but I can't knock the the pre-spawn and the spring bite because it's, man, it's you can amazing. really catch some big ones. Yeah. You can really catch some big ones. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I feel like that's uh, – most people I think generally are going to say spring – if if for mm-hmm. nothing else, especially if you're a northeast angler that doesn't necessarily ice fish, you're waiting on spring oh, yeah. to happen just for the open water. But oh, trust trust me, I'm right there with you. I don't mean to interrupt you, but the ice is the ice and me do not get along. Cold weather, not for me. Yeah, and I think like many guys, we use that time to prep our tackle to to just get ready for that springtime. So the excitement is definitely high in the spring. Definitely. Definitely. You're like returning to it. You get, you know, so I know, I know for myself, especially in the spring, if I haven't been, you know, doing anything for three months, all winter long, I'm rusty as hell. And I've got to kind of like re, you know, I'm picking out some backlashes and things like, okay, we got to find some of these things and get back into it. It is what it is. Uh, Is there any kind of a weather condition where you're just like, I'm not doing it? To be honest with you, like extreme winds. Yep. I'm I'm primarily a kayak fisherman, and you know I don't have yeah. all the fancy gadgets that come along with your kayak that can anchor you or anything like that to keep me in position to actually fish. Oh yeah. So I find myself more fighting the wind than actually fishing. Now that's not to say that I won't get out in some high winds. Um, I have some specific spots that I go that I know I can be protected a little bit yeah. from the wind. And if it is a day where I feel as though I can't be out on an open body of water, I'll I'll tuck myself into some backwaters along some edges and I'll yep. fish that for the day. Yeah, it's not. But a bad other idea. than that, yeah, other than that, I mean, I'll be out there in the rain as long as there's not like thunder and lightning going on. Um, I just like being out there. Oh yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Uh, you know, it it does like even when I'm fishing from the bank, wind is an obstacle. You just got to mm-hmm. make, you know, it's, it's all about the choices that you make. Like, where are you going to fish? Where Correct. are you going to position yourself? But, you know, w- w- I think I think the biggest thing is I need to see lightning. That's that's to, yeah. to me. I need to see lightning and then I'm done. I'll <laughs> be like, nope, yep. that's it. Yeah, if I it's hear funny. thunder in the background, I'm like, all right, I'll be on edge, you know, and I'm going to mm-hmm. pay attention for sure. But if I, if I see lightning, I'm out. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because actually maybe like a week and a half ago or so I went out bass fishing. It was out in my kayak and I could hear this storm, you know, rolling in uh, nearby, but I didn't see anything. It was actually still pretty nice out yep. and I was catching some fish. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not really wanting to leave quite yet. I still feel like there's a couple of fish out there for me to catch. And mm-hmm. it actually ended up passing by and I didn't have to leave, which was great. And I actually had a pretty good night. So I have actually found too, that right before a storm or right after a storm have been some of my biggest fish and some of my most active moments on yep. the water. It's fun. It's so funny you say that. Last night we had a doozy of a storm come right through mm-hmm. like the Connecticut River Valley here in Western Mass, and I mean si- like significant thunder that I, we, I haven't heard the, this close to home all summer long. Like this, this was a significant storm. And yeah. as I was I was uh, doing an online event last night, and I was getting messages from a buddy of mine who's fishing one of our favorite spots, and he says, "Oh, I, I think I found where they where, where you know we we lost them. You know they're they're tucked over in this one kind of corner." And I went mm-hmm. and fished that spot today, and I, I said to him, I was like, you know, I go, I, I don't think it's got anything to do with the afternoon. I think it w- had, had something to do with that pre-storm conditions. Whatever it was, they pushed back in this area. I don't know how the wind was blowing or anything like that, yep. but I think that had something to do with it. So and storms are crazy. They can be such chaos, but at the same time, like there was a, a an old friend of mine gave me, and this is a terrible advice for an ice fisherman, but <laughs> he he gave me some really really good advice creatively. He he said uh, it, it's always uh, the the best reward is when you play on the thin ice, meaning like if you yeah. have more to risk then you're, the, the payoff is generally worthwhile. Now, if you're an ice fisherman, stay off oh. the thin ice. <laughs> Definitely don't. You, you, hit, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, yeah. It's actually it's funny because anybody I talk to with fishing, um, a lot of people are like, man, you go to these places that like most people can't get into. Or I'm talking about dragging my kayak through and over beaver dams, yep. you know, drag it for 500 yards or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. But those are the places I catch the most fish because they're less pressured. These Yo, fish totally. don't see things. And it's just, I know that if I go that extra yard that somebody else isn't willing to go, yep. I'm pro- probably going to be rewarded for yeah. going that extra mile, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, pressure pressure comes into play. Like, it's a huge factor. I think too often people don't really think of it. I like to use pressure as a, an obstacle. Like, if I'm trying to learn something and learn it well, I'll go yep. where the pressure is. But there's there's something about going to an untouched body of water and you're just like, oh, you've never seen a Senko before. Because, yeah. oh. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like... Yeah, you- it's great. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. You, it's, it's those it's those places where you can throw anything at them. They're mm-hmm. going to eat it that are, are special. But there is something great about going to a pressured body of water and catching a good fish because then you know, yeah. hey, I'm doing it right. Yeah, it's definitely this like This fish has seen it millions of times. Yeah, it's definitely a pat on the back for sure. As far as your mm-hmm. preferences for body of water, what do you look for? Are you more of a, a, a you know small pond fisherman, larger lakes, or are you looking for current? Um, I'm pretty much primarily a small pond angler. Yep. Um, and I think, I think part of that has to do with my accessibility to like big bodies of water. I don't yeah. have a nice bass boat. I don't have a John boat to go out in. I have my kayak and it's just so much nicer and easier to not be out on these big bodies of water oh, where absolutely. I can't cover the ground I need to, to really target these fish and find where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, the small ponds, it's so much easier to know that I'm putting baits by fish all day long. Yeah, absolutely. as opposed to these bigger bodies of water. Yeah, they may c- contain a lot more fish, but 
uh, am I going to be able to find them on a certain day from my kayak? Because I might have to paddle 30 minutes to go find it, and I spend more time paddling than actually targeting fish. Well, and so, you, you nailed it. It's it's all about you know finding. So if you're if if you're not sure where they are, you could be spending a major chunk of time you know, getting out there. So it's like you have a couple of choices. You have to fish where you're familiar. So that way you can put Mm -hmm. your efforts into getting where you need to be or drop in if you're able to do that, you know, at a place that's Mm -hmm. more convenient. Or you have to go in there, you know, with a plan as far as like, this is what I'm dealing with. I kind of, you know, you have to look at your maps. You have to check your weather patterns, Mm -hmm. know what's happening and kind of make assessments like that. That's that's why I just said it today. I said, that's the beauty about fishing is that Mm -hmm. it is as much an art as it is a science. Oh, hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. It's an art and a science. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there is definitely a science to it, and there are like specific ways that you should do things, or you know that, yeah. that science will tell you like this would will work for this way. But there is there is an artistic side to it where it's like almost anything goes, and if it's working for you, you you can't deny it. It's it's so good. Um, oh, hundred percent. I heard. I I don't mean to interrupt you again, but no, I heard one it. of your one of your podcasts. You were talking. I can't remember who it was, um, but you're. You were talking and mentioning like you got to fish whatever you're comfortable doing. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. like for me, that's frog fishing. Yep. And some people will laugh at me that I take because I will throw the frog till I can't throw the frog anymore. Yeah. Even if the conditions don't spell it out, frog. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I just I'm comfortable with it. I know it's going to get bit. Yep. And to me, it's like a math equation. I'll go out there and I'll take you know your weather conditions, your time of year, um, what I think these fish are feeding on mm-hmm. and I'll put that all together and kind of analyze that to use what I want to throw. Yep. But it even if it doesn't come out with frog, I might still throw a frog, but I'll throw it differently. Yeah, exactly. Or le- now now actually this goes it perfectly into the next question. So when you say like you'll throw a frog, I assume like anybody who who especially focuses on topwater, you probably have a pretty good collection of frogs, right? Well, I, this is actually I'm probably different than most people in this sense. Oh, okay. Um, I I will buy a few frogs that I will then beat to death and retire yep. and then buy a couple more. Um, for me, I have a certain style of frog that I like for certain situations and a certain style of frog I like for other situations. So I'll yep. have maybe at the time, I think I in my box, maybe six frogs where I know other guys oh, okay. yeah, some people have, have like 20, 50, yeah. hundreds. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I find that I don't need it. Um, yep. I find that I have, you know, my poppin' frog that I love for specifically targeting um, s- small structures that I'm casting and aiming at. Yep. Um, as opposed to like a walking frog that I want to cast long distances and cover like stretches of open water or banks. Yep. So for me, as long as I can cover those different situations in like three frogs, it, the color does matter to some some extent for me. I have found that um, days that I need a more contrasting surface bait, my blacks and my whites will be good. Mm -hmm. And other days I use natural, but I mean, I don't have any crazy colored frogs. I pretty much keep it to white, black and natural. Yeah. And it's interesting because that, that's where I was going was the whole having, you know, switching it from a walking frog to a, to a popping frog for times where like you're either in more open water or you're, you, you need to make a little bit more of a disturbance, Something along right. those lines. So I think we've pretty much actually answered this question. Your number one confidence bait, am I right in assuming it's a, it's a topwater frog? 
So you are right at the moment. It's most certainly a frog. Um, but I will say there are a couple of staples that yeah. if I have thrown my frog to the point where I am just not going to catch a fish on it, I will switch over. I do keep um, like two poles in my kayak at a time. Mm-hmm. One of them almost always has the frog. The other one is I keep a spinning reel. We've had, you've had this conversation with other people you talk to yep. is that the spinning reel versus bait caster. I kind of have like a power setup, which is like my frog setup usually. Mm-hmm. And then I have my spinning reel setup, which is usually like a lighter combo. Yeah. Um, and w- what I'll use with that is like my light spinner baits. I'll throw a chatter bait on that. Or if I want to get real finesse, I'll, I'll throw, you know, the wild worms from hooks at hoodlums, which are actually awesome. Baits. They're fantastic. I should totally try them out. Anybody that's listening, go check yeah. them out because they just get bit. All right. They get bit. I don't throw a worm a ton, but if I'm throwing a worm, I'm throwing that. It's going to be a wild worm. Um, I got, I got my new PB on, on a wild worm on a drop shot. I saw that. It was, yep. I'm like, they, Hey, they work, man. It's just a great color yeah. combo. They, the scent's great. They like, just get bit. Yeah. And, and I'm not much of a, of a four inch worm. I like to, if I'm going to throw a stick bait, it's going to be a five inch Senko generally, just because I find like, you know, going any larger and I, I do, you know, agree that there's a time and a place to upsize or downsize your presentation, but I like to Mm -hmm. care in, in a way, you know, everybody likes to obviously, if they're either on the bank or in a kayak, minimalism definitely helps, you know, Packing light oh, yeah. definitely helps. So I try to either pack either uh, a bait that's kind of in the middle where I can downsize it or I can get by if needed. So a five-inch right. stick bait will generally be the one to go to. But when I saw these, I was like, okay, they're a four. All right, we'll see. But I like I like fishing them on a drop shot, and I've had I've had luck wacky rigging them. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah. I um. I, I weedless rig them with no weight, and I have, I have been getting hammered on them. I haven't yet to catch a, a monster on it, yep. but yet again, this is probably because I, I pull up to my spot, and I'm like, ooh, I want to throw the frog at that because yeah. I know that's going to get me the <laughs> exactly. big bite. But, so I'll put the pole down that has the wacky worm rig on it or whatever. you yep. know. Um, one thing I will tip my hat to you is I, I love the fact that you are fishing those soft plastics, that finesse style, because I am just, I am just not good at it. I haven't put the time in to really throw jigs a lot. Yep. Um, I'm a power fisherman through and through. Oh yeah. And it's funny. Um, That's what I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to work on mm-hmm. getting into, you know, uh, more top water stuff. I'm trying to get more into moving baits and, and reaction like, baits. baits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this year, I mean, I've had a couple of breakthroughs this year with different baits that I've never been comfortable with. Top water frog was one that I've started mm-hmm. to really have some, have some luck with. And, uh, or, or not even luck. It's just more or less just now I kind of, I have, I'm using the right rig and I'm, yep. I'm my, my technique, I think I've, I've got down to where I'm comfortable with it. So that confidence goes a long way. Oh yeah. The, yep. the frog, the frog bite in fishing a frog is different. It's hard. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not easy to get used to. Um, you know, and then people get easily frustrated because you're going to get hit on the frog, a ton. but it doesn't mean that you're going to get hook sets. Yep. Um, and it's frustrating. You know, you go out your first few times throwing the frog, you get blown up on. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this excitement. And then, oh, I didn't get the hook set. Yeah. And after four, five, six, seven times you missing that fish, it gets frustrating. Yeah, it does. So I understand kidding. why people put it down. Definitely. It's it's one of those things people definitely have to work on. But I, I like to akin for different reasons. I compare that to when you fish a jig because you, mm-hmm. you'll get less bites with a jig. You'll try and try and try. But – 
and I, I, I heard this initially, and this is why I put the, the effort in last year into fishing with jigs more often, is that while you may get less bites on a jig, typically, the ones that you get will be larger fish. You know, they'll be, yeah, a more, more quality for sure. So a lot of times, that's, that's why I carry, you know, I, I carry, it's probably stupid for me too, but I carry four now, five rods anywhere I go. Uh, hey, if you can get away with carrying four or yeah. five rods, you do it, man. Yeah. I, I, I would carry 10 of them if I could in my kayak, but they yeah. only fit two between my legs. So yeah, it, yeah, it's absolutely. easier that way. I can do four in the kayak. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pull off the fifth one. I have a second spinning combo now that I'm, I'm throwing around, okay. which, which is a, a medium head. That's kind of like more the, the one rod. We're just taking this one rod to kind of do pretty much everything we need it to do, and it'll do the job. Um, yep. Let's talk about oh this, so th- this next question a lot of people uh, have 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 commented on and they either love it or they think it's ridiculous. I love it. Um, there's a saying out there that uh, fishing tackle catches more fishermen oh. <laughs> than than the yeah. tackle will catch fish. Uh, as far as like in your entire lifetime, what is that one number one like ridiculous fishing tackle trend that's come up in your opinion that you think is the most ridiculous? And also, have you been guilty of trying that one? So I've heard this question. Obviously, yep. you ask it, and I love this question. It's great because you get to hear all the feedback from all the anglers. Oh yeah. Um, for for me, I, I first of all, I I've never even heard of the man, banjo minnow. Like when I heard that from your podcast, I was like, oh my God, what is that? Oh. So I would love to see one and, and figure out what it is. But anyways, um, there's this like zombie bait that I keep seeing like advertised on like Instagram or Facebook or mm-hmm. run through on the TV. And it's, it, I don't really know exactly what it is, but I guess it's like a, a bait that you just cast out and it just like wiggles on its own and oh, these fish really? are supposed to be attracted to it. Yeah, I don't know. You'll have to look it up, but it's crazy. And no, I have most certainly never thrown it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, you know, it's it's funny. I've seen now the whole zombie thing on social media. Like I've seen like crankbaits that are painted. As a matter of fact, I I have one, uh, a square bill from stretching lines uh, or from mm-hmm. stretch lines rather and and uh, and it's absolutely gorgeous but you're seeing like a lot of like blacks and white and like interesting almost like horror film kind of presentation lots of times yep. off like bloody eyes or something like that and you see this kind of stuff uh, that that's out there and it's a great it's an awesome pattern it looks great uh, mm-hmm. but like so what you're talking about is actually like a, a, an automated bait gotta, yeah it's I like an look. automated bait it's it I don't know for sure because I, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. I just kind of scroll past oh, yeah, it and, yeah. and go through. But I think it's called the zombie bait. And I don't know if they put something in in it where it just like wiggles back and forth and tries to trigger these fish. I, I don't know, man. They're, I have never thrown it. I never will throw it. <laughs> I'm going to stick to my frogs. Yeah. No, no. It's a good idea. It, it's definitely – you know what I found? I found especially with topwater anglers, they stick together. Like they are oh, – yeah. they're definitely like a, a, a breed of, of angler all on their own. And In fact, uh, there's there's been a couple of, of, of guests on the show that have, have suggested that I start looking into throwing a rat. Uh, just because oh. of some of the places where I fish, they're like, it's such a great presentation, and it just gets bites. So, Let me tell you, yeah. the Spro BBZ rat gets bit. That rat is absolutely fire. I uh, Last year was actually probably one of my best baits. Um, I bought it secondhand from somebody, and yep. it just... It got crushed to the point where the tail came off it. There was, yeah. you know, burn marks all over it. 
Um, but it was an amazing bait. The it it walks and wiggles and it gives that that knock 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 knock. Yeah, and it just drives the bass nuts. But look out that that Spro BBZ rat is real. You should definitely give it a go. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna be over at uh, Old Glory this weekend, and I know they just got a bunch of them in stock. So I'm gonna pick up a couple of colors, play around with it a little bit. I just watched a video from Fishing Grubs that was released mm-hmm. today, and uh, he was he was out with uh, with uh, fishing with Becca and and yep. somebody else that I just started following. I'll, I'll look up. I'll try to throw that in the intro but um becca was not into the idea of going night fishing at all first time night fishing Mm -hmm. and she i think it was her pb and it was on that it was on that rat and i'm just like i keep hearing about this i I should probably just give it a go and 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 play around with it if you if you have um waters that have banks that don't have like completely choked out like weed vegetation yeah but there is like uh sticks or rocks on the bottom i have found that that crushes it or along weed lines um and yeah that's the funny thing is the funny thing is is the the rat is like it's got to be four inches plus like a three inch tail so it's like seven inches it's huge yeah and yeah and you're getting fish you won't believe the tiny fish that'll come up and try and eat this thing oh yeah and it it just goes to show you how savage bass are oh yeah i mean really honestly uh, there's a lot of species of fish that will go after baits that they have no business going after at all right i caught the biggest yellow perch i've ever caught in my life and it wasn't huge it wasn't like a tank yeah but i, I caught it on a, on a jig. flipping jig yeah i was like you gotta yeah, be kidding me <laughs> accidentally fishing a complete illegal body of water but it was it was amazing <laughs> right. i just i just missed a sign on my way in but man it was crazy yeah, I, sorry i didn't see it <laughs> yeah uh what have you traveled anywhere to fish like specifically not you know fishing while you were out but have you been like nope i'm going here to travel just to fish um to be honest with you not really yeah. um i primarily have fished locally here um throughout my life i mean obviously like family vacations and stuff trips yeah. like that i always bring my rod so there are places i've gone but i haven't like let's say just gone to florida to fish any of those awesome lakes or texas yep. or california um but geez god you name a lake down there i'm i'm with it yeah absolutely that was gonna what i was gonna say like what's your destination where would you where where would you say like what are your top three lakes that you'd like to hit oh geez that's pushing it man i don't know man i to be honest with you like I just, you name a lake in in Texas, you name a lake in Florida, yeah. any of the big lakes, I, I'm with it because here, I mean, I talk about it with my fishing buddies all the time. Yeah, a three pound fish is a, is a good fish. Like yeah, you should is. be proud of catching three pound fish. Yep. Um, you move down south, you go out to California, that you looking at ten pound fish yeah. in the plus range, and it's just a different game. And I think that's one of the things that really drew me to your podcast when I first started listening was that I can relate to all the things that everyone on here is talking about. Oh yeah. You know, and it just makes me feel like I have a group of people around me that know what I'm saying when I'm happy to catch three pounders. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Most new England anglers, most Northeast anglers, if their PB, if their PB breaks five pounds, they're in sort of an elite group because yeah, 
it's not you know the, your average Joe angler's not really going to catch those fish, and it's it's not for no. lack of skill or or trying or anything, but just in their lifetime, the grow season is different. We we only have yeah. so many fish that are like record breakers. I mean, the state record, the state record, I think is fifty. I don't know how how exactly yeah. the weight, but it's like fifteen pounds. And, oh yeah, and it's it's a it's a monster. I mean, they can grow up here, but there's a very specific reason and 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 feed pattern that happens where that occurred, where it all kind of makes sense. But like for your average now, I would say like for some if if somebody were to come up here and say, hey, I want to you know I'm going to be in New England, uh, you know where should I fish? I would say Google Maps, go anywhere in the Berkshires. It's it's oh, fantastic. I think I think the Berkshires are some of the best fishing in western in in, in Massachusetts completely for freshwater it's it's amazing oh oh hands down yeah. there's there's so many spots here and like yep. you said pull up google maps find a little body of water as long as it's not private yeah give go it a check go. it out you know yeah. that's the only way you're going to find out if there's fish there or if there's big fish there yeah. i mean to be honest with you that's how i find a lot of my spots you know i yeah. look see something and you try it out. And, and if you're not doing that, you're like you said, you're not going to catch five plus pound fish. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the effort. You got to put in some money to get the right gear because if you're out there doing it with the wrong gear, it's just not going to work. So oh, yeah. you're right. I mean, you gotta, you gotta really, really put in the work out here to catch a five plus pound fish. They're just, they're just not as common as they are down South. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's, it's a lot more bragging rights when, when you get into those numbers and, it's it's it can be painful <laughs> to be yes. you know especially when when you have when you start networking you know with the internet when you start networking with with people who fish down south or further out west and they're 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 just able to just get these tanks and you're oh, like yeah. you know yep. s- slow your roll <laughs> Uh, yeah, how am I you supposed know, to keep up with that? <laughs> it's, just, it's it's bananas. For for me, a big uh, focus has always been to get up and fish in uh, in, in Lake Champlain. Um, oh yeah, just I mean it's it's one of the but you know New England does have some large lakes uh, yeah. that are are definitely worth going. But yeah, I, w- I would definitely suggest the Berkshires if anybody was in this area. Like get out there oh. and just give it a go, man. Give it a the Ber- the the Berkshires has so many beautiful. Beautiful bodies of water. Yep. And the cool thing about the Berkshires is there's so many different species opportunities. Yeah. Like right in your backyard. Like I, I know that some of the rivers through like Lee where you would get off the Mass Pike have some of the best trout fishing. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. even on the East Coast. Like no kidding. Like no joke. And I I've caught some big pike out of the Housatonic River out here. Yep. I mean, you got a Noda, you got Pontusic that hold big pike and Pontusic holds musky. So it's like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have these big bodies of water, but there's just so many options out there. Yeah. For for fishing. Whatever and, your style, I, you can find something. Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Whether it's streams, big bodies of water, farm ponds, what have you, yep. it's out there. You just got to find it. And also, the nice thing is, is that the water in the Berkshires is 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 generally much cleaner than when you yep. start getting out to where I am in this part of the state. We've got a lot of industrial waste and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's it's just so it's kind of nice when you're like, oh yeah, I'm used to fishing like the Connecticut River or any of the tributaries. You get outside of that, and you're like, okay, well, this is beautiful, you know. It's funny because um, talking about the whole like waste and whatnot and the beautiful waters, one of my favorite, absolute favorite places in the Berkshires is the Housatonic River. Yeah. And I don't know if you're aware of the whole like PCB PCBs, things coming yeah. from GE. Yep. Um, so it, 
over recently over the past year actually they're trying to dredge out and clean up and what they say is best for everything obviously i don't want people getting sick yeah. and all that jazz but at the same time some of these waters that they want to tear up and clean quote yeah. unquote it's not good are for the, the most fish. beautiful no yeah. it, it's gonna there's so much wildlife there that i mean it's gonna take years to even think about getting back and it makes me sad to think about because yeah. i grew up fishing it and i want my kids someday to be able to experience those things that i got to experience and I'm, I'm worried that they might not be able to. Yeah, that's funny. They uh, when it was so I, I for a long time I worked in television, and when I first started working in TV, one of the news stories that was breaking was that Housatonic PCB levels story, and I was just like, "Holy cow, really?" I never, you know, you'd never ever think yeah. that that body of water would have. And this was like 20 years ago <laughs> and I, that, yeah. that story first kind of broke and it mm-hmm. was it was a, a big deal and yeah it's something that they're still dealing with but it's like you do you got to figure like what's the best decision you know or do you just kind of like leave it as is and hopefully it filters i i don't know i don't know the the, the best well way to, to be honest with you i don't want to get into all of it but they're yeah. thinking about like putting a whole um, like PCB waste plant nearby. So they're going to dig up these PCBs oh. and then replant them somewhere else nearby in the Berkshires, which just makes me so ever living mad. Yeah. It's just, a, um, a, just a giant waste of money, really. Yeah. It's, it's a giant waste of money. And you're put, you're digging up things that have now eventually settled at the bottom. Yep. Now I've been fishing that river in that area that is known to be like the hot spot for the PCBs for my entire life. Oh yeah. And I mean, I can remember when I was a kid, maybe catching a frog or something that had an extra eye or an extra leg, something weird like that. You really? hear those stories. Yeah. Yeah. But, but to be honest with you, I haven't seen anything like that yeah. in years and the fishing is healthy. There's wildlife everywhere. There's geese, yep. there's ducks. I mean, there's deer everywhere. Like people have reported seeing moose down there. There's bear all over the place. I, I could go on and on about the wildlife yeah. that lives there and thrives there. And it just, it makes me sad. And, and the thing too is, this section, people aren't swimming in this water. They know better. Exactly. People aren't eating the fish out of it. Yep. The people that enjoy that area are people that just want to be out there and enjoying nature yep. and fishing, catching and releasing, taking a photo with their fish and moving mm-hmm. on. It's, you know? it's funny. It's Well, PCBs, like the Connecticut River had an advisory. I, I haven't looked in a while, but they had an advisory before because of PCB levels not to uh, consume any fish caught from the Connecticut River that wasn't uh, like a striper, that wasn't, you know – uh, mm-hmm. anything native they're like just yeah nope. not migrating yep exactly and they're like even the stuff that's migrating there was an advisory that if you were you know potentially if you're a woman potentially pregnant or a child not to consume anything out of that mm-hmm. water and then you know i hear stories about like last summer south hadley had a big sewage leak into the connecticut river and it's like yeah okay all right let's let that let's let that flush no pun intended for a little bit yeah. we'll, <laughs> you know we'll, we'll maybe maybe we'll fish it again next year you know something like yeah. that but it's it's like it, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it, it's true. It's like water is a huge resource uh, in a lot mm-hmm. more ways than just the fact that we need it to live. <laughs> but like right. the, the fish, especially in all wildlife, need it yeah. to live. So it's like, you know, you got to you got to take care of it. It's not it's not necessarily going to be around. Um, now, there, this next question is kind of interesting because it goes a little bit deeper. It's about fishing, but it goes a little bit deeper than fishing uh, on the surface. Aside from like 
actually going out and fishing or buying new gear or anything like that, how has fishing sort of made it a part of your lifestyle every day? Um, and I'll give you an example. Like right now I'm in the process of designing a, a bass fishing tattoo for my next piece. Um, mm-hmm. And a little less extreme example is like the fact that even right now in my pockets, I've got soft plastics and a drop shot weight. Right? <laughs> yep. just ready You're to go. always ready. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so f- fishing for me um, has always been something that I can go and and find my happy place, find my like peace, if you will. So yep. it just holds a special place in my heart. No matter what I'm doing, I'm always thinking about it. I'm always thinking about the next time I'm going to get to go out. And the community of fishermen that over the past few years I've met and talked to, whether it's you know out on the water or Instagram or social media or what have you mm-hmm. has just been awesome too. Yeah. So I think that's just made it even grow more for me. Yeah. I think that, uh, that, that, that's that, like you, you said it, the, that your happy place, like for a lot of us, that's, that's a major, major part of it. And I think it's, it's actually that, that kind of was the, the focus for why Sean the Fisherman was so adamant about starting doing the Western Mass uh, fishing report. So that this mm-hmm. way, like, you know, it, it is, it's something that like, you know, people bust their ass, you know, working jobs that they hate. And like, they look forward to that, you know, four or five hours they might have on a Saturday to go out and fish. So it's like, why not go and make the best of it? It is your happy place. You know what I mean? And I, let's be honest. hundred percent. Even if you go out there and you don't get a nibble, it was definitely worth going out there to try a hundred percent. Absolutely. Oh, no doubt. You know, no doubt. But it's like, if it's- you can maximize it, why not? Why not just go for it? It's it's funny because I say all the time it's like I love fishing and some people like catching. Yes, does that make sense? It does. So like I just I just enjoy being out there. Like everything slows down for me. I can hear the birds chirp. I can you know feel that wind on my face, the sun shining, whatever have you. Mm -hmm. It's just being out there in my own thoughts with nature, and that's what made me fall in love with it in the first place. You know, we all stress, like you said, we all go to work. We all go work really hard, and at the end of the day, you just want to be able to unwind. Yep. And it really does help me do that. Yeah. Um, even if it is before I go into work and get stressed out, it's it's nice to have that stress relief and oh, yeah. in a nice, healthy, safe way. Do you uh, currently do any tournament fishing? Um. So I don't. Uh, however, I did hear about um, you guys talking about the one that's coming up in August, the online one. Oh yeah. Um, that you. I, I am. You can count me in. I'm going to be in that one for sure. It's uh, awesome. it's something. It's it's something I've always wanted to get into. Um, but to be honest with you, I haven't had the resources. Um, and I, I guess I haven't really digged far enough into the whole like online tournament thing. Yep. In, until I've just recently started to hear about it because it is something I really want to do. Now, did I do fishing derbies as a kid? Of course, I did fishing oh, yeah. derbies as a kid. Um, but have I ever really competed for money? No. I I love the idea. Now I'm 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 no good at it, but the last experience <laughs> I had doing an online tournament was a, a blast. It was it was a whole lot of fun. And the August tournament for Chronic Trips is going to be even better because I'm not going to be doing the uh, weekly play by play for the leaderboards and everything. It's going to be Sean okay. that's doing that. And why the reason why that's going to be so good is that he's got a lot more insight that he can bring out to the numbers that are coming mm. coming back. So I do think there's going to be a major upgrade in the weekly, you know, play by play of what's happening as far as who's who's in the lead or you know, new hey. new catches. Yep. 
don't don't downplay yourself, man. You did a great job. I've listened to every episode. Oh, you did awesome. <laughs> I, I thank you. I appreciate that. But it, I, I do. I think that that we're moving in a step in the right direction. But there's some big stuff yeah. coming too for for turn. Like there's a lot of online leagues all over the place that you can join yeah. and do some stuff. And we're doing. We we actually we're just talking about about doing some tournaments that were for listeners of the podcast, so people could just kind of you know take like yep. a day. You know, everybody fishes on this one day or on a weekend or something like that. Just mm-hmm. as you know, just a, a fun little thing to do and then we're uh, we're talking about eventually getting into like an ongoing monthly type tournament where it's awesome it's a bass tournament it'll be you know and, and what's great about that is that i i really sort of in a weird way i kind of credit some of the popularity of this to the whole covid pandemic because oh yeah you know when you have like it does so it takes fishing which is you know a relaxing thing and people they like you know to to do it as an activity to blow off some steam but you know when you when you get out there and you're adding this level of competition it really Mm -hmm. does and and like i said i'm only doing this one multi-species tournament and and here's what's crazy about the chronic trip stuff specifically is that it's multi-species includes fresh and salt water but We've changed uh, the chronic trips has changed the uh, the rules so that now there's a point scale. So it's about where you place on each specific species, uh, oh. and, and you'll earn points for it. And we did an experiment with the data that came in from the the one in June to look at it, and it was really really interesting. And what I even noticed, I was primarily catching largemouth, smallmouth, and what else did I catch? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get a pickerel in there at all. It was so largemouth and smallmouth. Yeah. But uh, if I had had been more diverse in what I had been catching, even if I wasn't necessarily placing, I'd have the uh, placing high up in the leader in the scoreboard. I'd at least be picking up points for those. So because you're crossing off species. Yeah, because you're doing a little yeah. bit more and more, and then you know you're like, oh well, I caught a bullhead. What good is that in whatever tournament? In chronic trips, it's good. You can you it's know, worth something. Yeah, yeah. Is, I, I think, think that's one of the coolest parts. Yep, is that you can really like branch out and and you can go target pickerel because yeah, geez, some some of the places I fish, there's some big pickerel in there, and and like you said, if you're in a bass tournament, it's, it's oh yeah, annoying quote unquote because you're catching pickerel. But I mean, if, like you said, in the chronic trips, that's worth something. Oh, which is for awesome. sure. I think it was uh, so. Sean the fisherman was the the winner of the June one. And I think it was because of what he was catching for pickerel. Like he was catching twenties and twenty ones. They were yeah. Big. Those are those are big pickerel. Yeah, those are really big. And he was, you know, I mean, he did some striper fishing too, and that helped out. But I mean, we had a guy mm-hmm. there. There was a category. It was any stringer of five, and he was catching spiny dogfish, and they were really? like forty three inches long. And he was easily yep. getting up there with only one fish. But you know, when you fill, you know. 520s or you know something right. like that and you're up there it's it's interesting because you're like you kind of have to play it a little it's it's unlike any other sort of tournament practice i have ever experienced and if nothing else it's just it's a blast it's a whole lot of fun so we, we oh, yeah, we're sure. gonna have some good stuff coming um we have uh something else that's coming on that that you'll be a part of right the uh hooks at hookers oh, yeah. pro staff uh trivia game show um, oh i'm there i'm i'm actually I'm kind of thinking I want to suggest that we have uh, uh, the game show, the trivia portion, and then a fishing portion. Oh, sign me up. Where it's a, where it's a one-day-long tournament, 
and everybody mm-hmm. enters, you know, and it's it's large mouth, small mouth, and we just take the points. And uh, essentially the way it's going to work is that everybody from the pro staff, so you and Jordan and, and uh, mm-hmm. was SoCal, uh, is it SoCal Lady Angler, and, and yep. I mean, everybody. Brutus. Yep, Brutus. Everybody is going to go and put out uh, a post and rally their supporters. And we've got mm-hmm. a bunch of sponsors that are coming in and getting prizes together. And what you'll do is the winner of the overall winner of the game show will basically use a random comment generator to give the prize to one of their one of their viewers or one of their that their is followers. awesome so it's like it, it it's a double contest you know it's like who's, yep. who's the the number one pro staffer for hookshead hoodlums but also one of your followers ultimately is going to win some amazing stuff so that's pretty cool and old that, that's an awesome idea. idea that's yeah. an awesome idea i figure this way it's just it works for everybody to kind of like get out there and, and have some fun and right. you know, and, and competition is great. It it really is. Oh, it's so great. It, it'll be nice to compete against other people than like my fishing friends. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? It gets you out of that window. And I mean with, with social media, there's so much that you can do. So oh, all right. Yeah. Here is the last question. It's a gear it's kind of a gearhead question. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind you don't have to own any of the parts that you're gonna say at all. You don't okay. have to like you imagine you like are walking into like the tackle warehouse warehouse and you're just picking what you want. All right. Okay. So the challenge is this. Bank, kayak, whatever method you want, you're going to an unnamed body of water where either you have no idea what you're going to come into or we'll just say it has a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of weed cover, but it's not completely jammed. It's got rocks. It's got timber, you know, and it's got some pads. Uh, You've got one rod to put one rod combo to put together. What are you going to do to build it? Oh God, the frog fisherman fisherman in me really just wants to say a frog rod. But uh, yep. <laughs> if I if I'm going out there and I only have one one rod, oh man, I'm going with a versatile rod of some sort. Oh, probably yeah. like a seven foot medium heavy. Probably going to be a bait caster, so I can do a little bit of both. I'm going to go with for bait. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a chatterbait. Uh, I feel like yeah. I feel like with a chatterbait, I can cover a lot of the water column. Yep. Uh, I can rip it fast across the top. Uh, I can jig it just like a jig. Yep. I, I just feel like it's a very versatile bait, and it, it gets bit. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You could totally. That's a that's a really good answer. Think about it. You can take the blade off and use it as a swim jig if you want. If if hundred percent, and 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 fish like the deepest cover. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could. There's so much stuff that you can do. Very versatile bait. That's a really good it, answer. It, and to be honest with you, actually. I uh, just started experimenting with taking the skirts off of the chatterbait. So now you just have a jig head, yep. you have a blade, and I've been throwing like a creature bait behind it or like a crayfish bait, and I've yep. had some recent success with it. I actually – I actually, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I actually might like it more than having the skirt on there. I think – is it, I, I think it's Z-Man is releasing in like their next year's lineup is a what I, I don't know if they're calling it a finesse chatterbait, but it, mm-hmm. it's that's basically what it is. It's the jig head right. and the blade with no skirt, and it's it, it's interesting you say that because like I just I just this month in my mystery tackle box I got uh, like a rocker head. You know, it, yep. it's got like a cup, almost, it kind of looks like a, a, a piece of a popper. Yeah, that by Headbanger together. Lures? Yes, uh, I think it is yeah. Headbanger, actually. Yes. And and that's kind of the idea. You sort of get that violent, you know, shaking action, but you don't have a skirt clogging anything up or any, anything right. like that. It's kind of, it's actually kind of cool. And, you know, 
a, a similar bait that I've been throwing that's you know more size down is I've been throwing a lot of uh, of swim baits on this uh, tungsten underspin. Okay, yeah, I love the underspin. Yeah, it's just it's it's great. It's super super versatile, and like you said, you can drag it on the bottom and hop it along. You can swim it fast. You can you know you can swim it. You know, point the rod tip up high and go right over the tops of grass. It's like it, mm-hmm. it just kills it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the uh, the underspin actually. I I one of my favorite things to do with it is um, in places where there's uh, lily pad clumps. Yep, I, I will cast it right over the top of them, reel it right through the top, and when it have when you find those pockets, uh huh, drop it right in that pocket bounce it a couple times and then start to pull it out of that pocket back onto the pads and what i find is as soon as it either hits the water and drops into the pocket or as soon as it's about to leave they'll come up and smash that thing so it's a it's a it's a great bait yeah throw it don't be afraid to throw that thing in the grossest cover you can find yeah that's that's a good idea. There's a couple of ponds locally that I've been throwing throwing it right in the grass, but trying to keep it up high. Uh, that's a good idea, though. Throwing it in the pads. Yeah. that's really good. Let it let it drop in those little holes. You'll find that a lot of fish will sit on those edges. Yep, and they'll wait to ambush prey that comes into that opening. And and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that one thing on that group of pads that is not like all the others. Yes, the differences that makes sense those stick out. So, yeah. Yeah, the fish will really relate to those type of points. No, that is awesome, man. That is freaking awesome. So, all right, so the big one right here, I need two stories from you, okay? One of them is your, like, that moment when you were fishing, the catch that you're most proud of. Doesn't need to be a PB. You can share that, too, if you want. But Mm -hmm. whatever the catch is that you're just like, yeah, this is the one. And then uh, on the other side, I need the biggest epic fail story. Oh, yeah. I know. I knew this one was coming, and it's funny because I actually just had my biggest epic fail happen. Oh, that's um, great. But but I will I will start with uh, my my happiest proudest moment. There you go. And it's so I'm primarily a bass angler, but I do love pike fishing. Um, I have for years been trying to break that 40 inch pike mark. Uh, I've caught so many fish that mm-hmm. are like 37, 38, yep. you know, I've caught a, I've caught a 38 and a half, but I've never like crossed that threshold. Um, until last year, uh, me and my buddy went kayaking on the Hoosie. And when we got to the launch spot, the water was like pretty high and muddy. Yep. And typically I kind of just, I kind of decided to go somewhere else, but something kind of like told me, you know what, we're just going to go for it. We, uh, we went up river, we fished for about an hour with nothing. And it, by this point, I mean, both of us are pretty much like, okay, this is just not going to happen. We're not going to catch fish. And I said, you know what? We got one more corner coming up that I've caught some really good fish out of. We'll give it a go. Uh, we pull into the corner. I take a cast. And as you know, I'm sure once you go like a period of time without catching fish, you kind of start to like get lazy on like your retrieve and like yeah, not think about what you're doing. Yep. Um, you have that like moment of like, Oh, I wasn't even looking at the bait or I wasn't ready. Yep. Well, I bring in the, I was using a big white spinner bait with two big willow blades. I think it was a half ounce and yeah, it was a big bait and it got to be about four yards from my kayak. Now, mind you, I'm in maybe like three feet of water, Yep. four feet of water tops. And this spinner bait is bright white. The water is muddy brown and I can't even see it coming to my boat. Yep. All of a sudden, huge swirl. And this monster pike just comes up, annihilates my spinner bait, and starts taking lines. Zzz, 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 you know, pulling me, turning me. I thought I was gonna flip. Oh, I yeah. knew right away. I I knew right away I had a good one, and 
for anybody that's fished pike out of a kayak in the river, <laughs> landing them is very challenging. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and that'll actually tie into my epic fail story. But we'll finish the good part first. So luckily I was with my buddy and I was screaming to him, you know, I, I got a big one. He turned around. He got it, was able to get to me. And what I've learned to do is get my partner to push me to the closest bank where I can kind of like get to the bank and get out and land this fish because – Let's be honest. I'm not pulling a 40 inch pike into my little kayak. Into the kayak. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it. You're waiting for a hospital trip. Yep. So, anyways, he was able to push me to the bank, and I was able to land this fish that was 41 inches, 17 and a half pounds. It, it was just. It was a. It was a beautiful fish. Big old head on it. Yep. I mean, he mangled my spinner bait to death. Like, oh yeah. I'm pretty sure I have that still, just like bent in half somewhere. But that was my proudest moment, just because I put so many hours into wanting to break that 40 inch mark. Oh, absolutely. Um, That's and when it, yeah, when it finally happened, it was just I, I'm shaking now talking about it because there was just so much excitement running through my body at the time. Oh, for sure. That even just thinking about the moment gets me all amped up. Yep, yep. And you're right. You know, you're 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 having. You know, it's it's a long day. You haven't had a bite, and you're just zoned out. You're you're somewhere else, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of going through the motions. So I'm sure even when you saw that swirl, you were just like, oh, it's on. You know, oh, it was on. Exactly. It was on. I didn't have a choice. He was either taking my rod or I was taking him. That's awesome, man. All right. So, what about the big fail? So, the big fail, man. This is so fresh. It still really hurts. Um, we we recently went on what was my bachelor party, and oh, okay. we rented a we rented a uh, lake house, and it's on this huge body of water. And now, as I mentioned before, I'm not really like a big water type of guy but one of my really close friends and good buddies has a bass boat so we took the bass boat up there for the trip and we were planning on smallmouth fishing and pike fishing and this like when i say huge it's like 20 miles long like five miles wide like this is a monster body of water um so but our goal was to go out and do some you know big pike fishing so the first day we went down early before we even checked in to where we were going to be staying we put the boat on the water and fished for a few hours of course so we're out there and my buddy who's with me has never caught a pike in his entire life mm-hmm. never and he's sitting on the back and we were actually trolling um off this like really deep drop off it went from like 10 feet of water to like 30 something pretty quick so we're trolling along and all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, oh man, my 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 rod just got real heavy, and I'm kind of looking back and I'm looking at his rod, and it's it's just steady like pressure. Rod yep. is bent. It's not fighting. It's not pulling him. So I'm like, okay, maybe he, maybe he did get hung up. Maybe he found a a big clump of weeds or something in mm-hmm. there, and he's just got a lot of weight on it. And so my buddy like shuts the motor, and we're 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 playing it in. He's reeling it, and I'm looking at his rod, and all of a sudden I'm like oh, there is a little action on the top. And I'm like, that. whatever you have seems to be alive. And I'm looking at him like, he, I'm like, he's taking in line. Like, mm-hmm. he's reeling line in. We're not moving. And I'm like, okay, so it's definitely not the bottom. He's not like he's not cranked in between two rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, it's coming towards us. It's coming towards us. And he, he might have reeled for another 30 seconds. And it comes up out of the depths. And it was a 40-inch pike easily. And and it comes out of the depths, and as soon as the pike sees the boat, and this is something they do almost all the time, they're almost like a dead log until they realize that they're in trouble. Yeah. He saw the boat, and he took off and took about 10, 15 yards like, like that right away. 
And I'm like, all right, relax, relax. Like my buddy's freaking out because he's never had one. Oh yeah. And and I'm like, I'm looking around. I'm like, where's the net? And my buddy's like, oh, it's in the, it's in the front compartment. Oh, no. And I'm like, I, we like open it up. There's no net. And I'm like, oh my god. So he's like, oh man, we don't have the net. I'm like, all right, all right. So calm down. We'll be fine. Pike comes in again, makes another run. Wasn't ready. Comes back in around. And this time he's coming up and he's kind of bellied up. So yep. I'm like, okay. I think I think he's ready, and I'm reaching over. We're in a bass boat. I'm sitting in the the seat, and I'm reaching over the edge, and I'm gonna try and gill grab this pike. Yep. And tail grab with my other tail, or with my other hand, grab his tail. And as soon as my fingers went into his gill plate to grab him, he lost his he, mind. Oh, he lost his mind. He gave one of the most fierce head shakes I have seen <laughs> in a very long time. Oh yeah. It comes up out of the water, gives a big back and forth. I don't know how he didn't lose him right there, but he stayed on. He ended up coming right back around. And at this point we're all in panic mode because we just watched this fish almost get off. Oh yeah. And <laughs> at this time I'm thinking about my fingers. I'm thinking about my hand getting ripped off by this pike. Yep. So I decide I'm going to belly scoop this thing. Just try and get him up over the rail. So I scoop him and I get him over the rail, the front half. I'm not joking. More than half of this fish was over the rail and he gave a flop, flop, flop somehow fell off the side of the boat, broke the line and swam away. No. And I like reached to grab him and I couldn't grab him. And I, t- I tell you what, it's going to be something that hurts oh. for a very long time. I would have much rather lost my own fish than a good friend of mine. Oh yeah. Let alone, let alone his first fish or first pike. Yeah. Ever. First pike of that, of that kind of size. Oh my God. Oh, it was, yeah, that's you should rough. check it out. I think anybody that's listening, um, look, look it up. Craig Eggleston, I can't even spell the name if I tried, but Craig Eggleston on Instagram had posted the video, and I'll post it on my story. You guys should check it out. Oh, good! It's on Instagram. That's amazing. And this, yeah. this was—you said your bachelor party. Yeah. Oh, you—they're never going to stop talking about this ever. Oh, this will be yeah. something he this haunts is, me forever. Yep. I probably—I'm probably going to have like my best fish on ever, and he's going to go to land it and cut the line. And be yeah. Like, ha! <laughs> be like, now we're even. Now we're exactly. Now we're even. I gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. oh my goodness! I read something. It was a, it was a heartbreaker. That absolutely sounds like a heartbreaker. Oh my, I can't. I, I I had a feeling I knew where this was going when you were like the net wasn't in there. I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you do? You know? Yeah. Get a piece of rope and like you know. I mean, oh my god. Well, the funniest part is is when we got off when we got off the water. Yep. Um, we immediately looked up the closest tackle shop and, and I went and immediately bought a, a net for the boat because I'm like, we're not doing that again. Like no we got way. three more days here. Yep. That is not happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. That is crazy. Yeah. That's a, that's a yeah. big heartbreak. And it's, it's crazy too, that the highest and lowest stories both involve 40 inch pike. That is, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I, I mean, I got stories for days. I could talk about awesome bass that I've caught in situations and bass that I've lost, but Losing somebody else's fish just oh, oh man that's that like the worst of the worst because you're like oh, you know it's oh man that just sucks and it, oh. it, it it's awful too because like he he kind of like was really expecting me to get it like I've yeah. taught him a lot of things about fishing lately and he's really starting to get into it and I'm like oh he's looking at me to get this fish and he's like oh Mitch has got this he's done this plenty of times before and sure enough didn't get the one I really needed <laughs> oh that is freaking crazy man jeez. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? Now all all it means he's going to have to go and catch a forty-two. That's it. You know, right? Exactly. That's, that's, no, he's hooked. Yeah, he like didn't want to bring the boat in. Like wanted to go out all weekend. The rest of the weekend, like yep. he was like, nope, not leaving until I catch one. And yeah, he didn't catch one. We ended up leaving. But <laughs> yeah, hey, the drive is there. That's all that matters. Mitch, this yeah. was really, really good, man. This is great. We're going to end up having yeah, you on again for sure. Um, Love to. And uh, this was awesome. So go ahead and and tell all the listeners where they can find you to check out your uh, presence online. Go ahead and promote yourself a little bit. So the only thing I got going right now is Instagram, but check me out at Lip Gripper. Hopefully I'm going to get some YouTube stuff going on. It's been something I really wanted to do for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Mitch Skase too, but Lip Gripper on Instagram is my main page. That's awesome, man. Lip gripper. Unbelievable. Mitch, this is fantastic. Thanks so much for doing it, buddy. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All righty, guys. I know this is another like huge episode, Jigs and Bigs, but it's been great. Want to do a special shout out before I wrap things up. I mentioned earlier like the whole Jigs and Bigs uh, like, network of family, just amazing people that we've been working with. Uh, first off, want to give a shout out to the Hookset Hoodlum guys. Those guys are killing it out there. They're doing really, really great stuff. Want to say how much I appreciate you guys supporting the show in your YouTube videos, when you're tagging stuff on Instagram and all that stuff. It really, really means a lot to us you know we love what you're doing you guys are just quality quality people and we want we're ha- we're happy we feel lucky to be you know working with you the way that we are the entire pro staff for hooks hoodlums all the that entire crew everybody that we've been talking to thank you so much you guys are absolutely amazing uh we have to give a big shout out obviously to old glory outdoors we want to give a big shout out to lunker lads you know and a, and a bunch of our our regular listeners that have just been amazing some of them have been on the show they're just so into it so so, you know, Tony Howes and Adam Laxton, and I mean, I know I'm forgetting some people for sure. Uh, Berkshire Brett, thanks for coming out and fish with us. We really appreciate that. That's awesome. We have a couple of things going on that uh, are going to be pretty cool. We will be contacting some of you listeners uh, specifically uh, if we feel like we have something that you might be able to help us out with and uh, we might be able to help out, help you out with. We'll see. Going to keep that under wraps because it's kind of a little behind the scenes, uh, something that we're sort of putting together here. But it's, it's it's really, really great. So big shout-out to all you guys. Big shout-out to everybody who's reviewed the show. We love it. Thank you very much. Uh, the reviews, there's been a couple of them on Apple Podcasts. We've had a couple of different reviews popping out all over the place. Just launched this podcast on iHeartMedia, uh, which is huge. Uh, that's a brand-new outlet for some people to check out the show. If you use the iHeart app and you want to search for podcasts, you can now get Jigs and Bigs there, which is pretty cool. Also want to take a minute and give a big thank you to Andrew Hay- Hayes. Andrew Hayes produces the Tackle Talk podcast. Last week as I was editing uh, that episode and celebrating the first journey out on the yak and everything else, Andrew and I were talking back and forth on Instagram about, you know, podcasting and fishing and all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, if you have not listened to that show, you really, really should. It is fantastic. I mean, a lot, a lot of really good stuff. If you're into the uh, tournament fishing as far as the, the like the MLF or, or FLW tournaments, anything like that. Uh, It's got great information there as well, so make sure to check that out. This episode was great. Sean, I think this was uh, a a damn good episode. I'm going to try and find a way to crowbar you in here as awkward or not as it may seem. Uh, How about you, man? How how, how have you been? This is, I forget what number episode we're on, but I went back through our guest list, and we've been doing this for a while now, and it's starting to to get even better yeah i do look we keep laughing during it and we're if we're having fun and people are enjoying this yeah i, I don't see a reason to, to not continue yeah <laughs> um, no 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 definitely. Shout out, 
One last shout out I think we should give is um, Todd Grubb. His video drops oh, yes. this week with us in it. So for illustration, uh, for those of you who, who, you know, who are geographically displaced from us or, or can't ever get out on the water with us, I don't know how much he's keeping in there, but there is a good chance from across the lake you will hear someone screaming nibblers, nibblers when they catch a 12-inch or underfish. It's true. So yeah, there you go. There, I was going to say there's always you know uh, the possibility for nibblers, I think, at every single fishing trip. I think somebody locates them, if nothing else. They're, they're obviously stocked by the state. It's a, it's a, it's a plan it's a to coup. ruin fishing for yeah. all of us. Um, I did get to see a preview of his video when we were out with him, and uh, he's got the, uh, the topwater blow-up captured of that 20 inch fish he caught yeah on a, on a whopper plopper and that thing that thing hits it like a baseball bat hitting a ball i mean it, it there is a crack on the water when that thing hits that whopper plopper really so i urge everyone go check out todd's video uh we may be making cameos in it we haven't seen the finished product yet yeah. it should be dropping this week uh todd thank you again thanks again to brett yeah um i think that's it man yeah i, I don't i don't know Pretty solid episode, man. I'm, I'm pretty psyched. We've got great stuff coming to you uh, in the future as well. Uh, we did uh, sort of kind of brainstorm some alternate ways to have some content created. Uh, I will be doing some field recording as we fish more with listeners and such. So you guys in the future may be hearing uh, some some changes in the audio for those segments. There'll be uh, more like room recordings. We'll, we'll see how it works. It's something I kind of want to try, and we may be... Uh, <laughs> we... <laughs> We may be doing some fishing with friends and some uh, taste testing of locally made kielbasas <laughs> just because <laughs> to keep things interesting. And I think I think I'm going to try and capture some of some of that for you too, <laughs> the best I can. So maybe it'll be like fishing with friends and sausage review. I think that's going to be the idea. <laughs> yep, and with uh, with with. You know, your friend Paul being a full Polish heritage and myself being half. I mean, yeah. I, have, I have definitely sampled a kielbasa or two in my time. There's a good voice clip for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we're, 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 I'm fired up. Let's eat some Let's eat some processed meats and take videos of it and see if people enjoy it. I'm game. I'm 100% into it. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you in a week. Tight lines, everybody. And uh, get on them. Get on them. And if you haven't already, download that Fish Donkey app and get yourself started. We got one more. Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is what I'm talking about now. Download that Fish Donkey app. Easiest way to get into the tournament, download Fish Donkey. Do a search for Chronic Trips. You'll see the event for the month of August show up. You can purchase your, uh, your, uh, re uh, your registration right through there. And again, if you need a board and you can't find one near you to measure your fish, order it through Fish Donkey. Super easy. Should get to you within a few days. You'll be good to go. You can get out there, compete. Now, like I said, I quoted him earlier. John B. said it best. Shut up and fish. We'll see you guys next time. 